0: Welcome to the latest episode of Your Wealth with Gemma Dale, a podcast series designed to help you create, grow and protect your wealth.
1: Hi, I'm Gemma Dale, NABTrade's Director of SMSF and Investor Behavior. As anyone with even the slightest interest in the economy would know, Donald Trump announced and the US has subsequently imposed a series of tariffs on Chinese goods entering the United States. To say that's made markets jittery would be quite the understatement, but how much exactly does all of this actually have to do with Australia? We can see markets moving around quite wildly. We can see investors really getting anxious or they see other people getting anxious and wondering whether they should be too. But to understand how much has really got to do with Australia and also the portfolio you probably hold is quite tricky. So you need to understand the drivers of the Australian economy as well as what's actually happening with the trade wars and what's being proposed. We are very fortunate today to have Ivan Cahoon with us, the Global Head of Research for Markets for NAB. Ivan, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks Gemma. So can you start first of all by describing for listeners what the trade wars are about? So what's been proposed, what's been threatened, what actual actions have happened? Because there's been a lot of a lot of threats and a lot of uh, lot of wild accusations being thrown around, but what's actually happened is a tiny bit different, right?
0: Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I'd, I'd answer that in two ways. One, what's, what are they about? So there's I, I think there's three aspects to that. One is President Trump has believed um, for quite some time that certain countries do not trade fairly. Mm-hmm. I think that's somewhat ironic because the US has never particularly traded very fairly with Australia, ask Australian farmers. Mm. Um, but however, that's his, uh, his view. Mm-hmm. Um, he's suggested that uh, countries manipulate their currencies or have undervalued currencies. Uh, there will be government sub- subsidies. There may be non-tariff barriers. So there's a range of um, factors there where there's not fair trade. Then the second very important and perhaps bigger issue has been this intellectual property issue where there is this forced transfer of uh, particularly technological goods, the ideas, the technology to Chinese companies, um, well that's the allegation. Uh, And then I think the third factor which probably will last even longer than the trade dispute uh, whenever that gets solved, if it does get solved is the whole um, superpower issue or global, you know, largest gorilla in the in the zoo competition as China emerges as a superpower and the US is or has been the world superpower. So that's that's a longer term issue as well. Not saying that's directly showing up in the trade wars, but there there is that issue underlying. Um, Uh, what's going on as well. What's actually happened so far, there was uh, a list of threats uh, probably about, um, made, look, it's probably 18 months to two years ago, um, and there was this sequence of, um, goods and, uh, tariffs that could happen. I've got a big list here. It started off with, um, Tariffs on washing machines and solar panels in January 2018. Then there were um, some steel tariffs and aluminium tariffs on in March 2018. That was about $50 billion of imports. This is all on the US side. China did some retaliatory tariffs. Then there was another 25% tariff on another $50 billion of imports from July-August 18. Then there was another 10 to 25% tariffs on another $200 billion of Chinese imports, and then just recently, about uh, um, two weeks ago, from which will happen from the 1st of September, there's 10% tariffs on another $300 billion. So it's been this gradually increasing breadth of tariffs on um, increasingly all the goods that are coming from. Uh, China to the U.S. and then China on the other side has um, really targeted some retaliatory tariffs on, um, I guess, localized areas that are particularly important to the U.S. So particularly on, on farm goods, agricultural products, etc. Um, now, of course, the U.S. doesn't export as much to China as China does to the U.S. So it's a bit bit lopsided, but it has been a tit for tat war and. That's what's happened so far. There is also um, the threat from the president uh, that he will put tariffs on other trading partners um, that export cars to the U.S. And that um, is actually a very big deal. And uh, you know we get all these big numbers of 200 billion and 300 billion and 50 billion. But the car, if tariffs go on cars, uh, that's very very broad across the whole economy. So that's probably uh, on our numbers almost as big as all the tariffs on China. So that's one to, to look out for and um, I think as you've said there's tweets going on every <laughs> every night and the markets are up and down depending on whether the, the tweets perceived as good or bad news uh, but uh, I would expect if there's uh, tariffs on Europe and or broad, more broadly on autos that would bring quite a big reaction.
1: So question without notice and I apologise back to high school economics or maybe economics 101 the first semester you do at uni what is the purpose of a tariff and what is the impact that it actually has like we talk about them left right and center but you know there was a lengthy period certainly while i was studying economics when the idea of trade liberalization was very popular and people got rid of tariffs australians yeah. gone to great lengths to become a relatively open economy without all these barriers and now they're all being imposed again. And I think a lot of us are having to go back to school and go, oh, God, what's a tariff and what does it do? What's the purpose of it? But also what are the perhaps intended or
0: unintended consequences? Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, certainly many years ago, tariffs were used to protect domestic industries. Um, so they had an employment uh, consequence. But effectively, consumers pay for tariffs uh, because the tariff, Mister well, President Trump, keeps tweeting that China's paying for this and it is in some senses but the actual dollars being paid for the tariff are levied on American consumers not on Chinese producers. Uh, But it does have an impact on the Chinese economy and some firms are relocating their supply chains away from uh, from China. Um, So there's that impact. I mean Australia has Um, done very well out of trade liberalisation because um, what tends to happen when you have protected industries is they don't, um, they're not as efficient um, and you get, uh, it can be unions extracting higher wages and you're paying higher prices for let's say cars or you're subsidising car manufacturing. This is something obviously that when you look at it from an economic point of view in Australia has happened for a long time. That's not to say that everyone in that industry was inefficient or um, that it didn't have other benefits for the broader economy but that's what the theory would suggest. And if you reduce tariffs then you will tend to make the companies more productive, more efficient. Uh, consumers don't have to pay for that extra, you know, a higher price for the good. Um, and then the other part is if if in an ideal trading world you would find that countries, um, and this is a fair trading world and not everyone trades fair, um, then countries would produce what they're good at um, mm. and other countries. You know it's the law of comparative advantage, so Australia is very good at agriculture and mining, we know that, uh, services, financial services we're strong at, um, so you would tend to see um, certain countries specialising in certain um, goods and services and others specialising in others and then the, the, the trade benefits can be exchanged uh, through trade or the, the benefits of that specialisation. Can be exchanged through trade. So everyone has has sort of gone back to school,
1: rethought about the impact of tariffs. It's a it's a fascinating situation to observe that you know we moved away from this and now we're moving back quite strongly. Although as you say, the U.S. has always had a fairly protected agricultural sector,
0: yeah. um, as many countries have. To be fair, it's not just the U.S. Not
1: just the U.S. By any means. Certainly, there's lots of stories about the EU and many others. Um, French farmers are always the joke in Britain. I think, yeah. aren't they? It's, yeah.
0: um, <laughs> what was it, the Dairy Mountain or something, or Butter Mountain? Butter Mountain, yeah, yeah.
1: So all the stories about different areas. But so in Australia, we we have relatively low rates of protection. This is a tit-for-tat war between China and the US and by saying tit-for-tat we mean that they're retaliating against each other, not that it's small fry because it's not, right, the dollars that we're throwing around are significant. But tariffs on Chinese goods being imported to the US, not fantastic for the US consumer or for the Chinese producer necessarily, but the question becomes how much does it matter for Australia?
0: Uh, Well, look, I think one point is that obviously Australia and China are not in a trade war. So um, the effects that we're feeling are indirect effects through um, what's happening between the US and China. Um, People will always say no one wins from a trade war, and that is true. So there is a loss of output um, globally, and that is something that is important to Australia because we are... Um, a a small open economy. We rely a lot on trade. So if this broadens, I mean, the worst thing that can happen is that um, we end up with lots of tariffs being levied by lots of different countries against all other countries. Now, so far, it's mainly a US-China story. So everyone else is sort of sitting on, on the sidelines, hoping it doesn't broaden. Um, but that would, uh, you know, a broadening in, in tariffs would have a, a much bigger impact on, on global, global growth. Um, the effects, how it uh, impacts Australia, you can see it, obviously, uh, as you've already referred to, markets, um, gyrations, stock markets being hit. Uh, it's part of the story why the Australian dollar has come down, which has, obviously, effects for people that need to import. Uh, It's also got beneficial effects for people who export. Um, It's affected uh, interest rates around the world, it's affected stock markets around the world, it's affected expectations of global growth. It's really impacting through the manufacturing sector which is very um, tied in with Asia which is one of our big trading uh, partners beyond China, China's a huge one but um, the rest of Asia is pretty important, so there are all these indirect effects um, that you know tend to overall slow global growth, which is not as good for a trading economy like Australia. Put some downward pressure on the A dollar stock markets and interest rates.
1: So that's an extraordinary range of consequences, and for the average person, less so for you, but for the average person trying to unpick or predict how those impacts might play out it's just unbelievably complex can you be explicit about which of you know who are Australia's biggest trading partners because I think that's absolutely critical to this conversation and then what sort of goods we export to them primarily export also what goods we import and so on
0: yeah so The biggest trading partner, which I think most people know, is China, which takes um, just under a third of all all of our exports. Japan's the next biggest at um, around 13%. Then Korea, which is six. So There's a lot of Asian countries in the top ten. There's the United States at 5% of exports and the UK at 3%. when you get down to number 10, Taiwan is 3%, but Asia is the is the really big part. What do we export? It tends to be um, a collection of commodities. Iron ore is the biggest. It is nearly uh, 15% of our exports. Coal's another 15. Uh, gas is growing very strongly, so a lot of commodities. But then also um, we have uh, education which is really big, also going to a lot to China, and tourism. Yeah. Right, so there's those two services. The rest tends to be commodities, whether it's mineral commodities or agricultural commodities like uh, beefs, number eight, at
1: 2%. So the prospect of a slowdown in China that may be driven by trade wars when they take 30% of our exports, you can see why people are getting anxious suddenly and why there are Concerns there? Have we have we seen impacts yet on exports to China? Uh,
0: look, I actually can't see much impact at all, and I think the types of products we export to China. So the the range of tariffs that I talked about, um, a lot of them were manufactured goods, which isn't Australia's big um, not our big products. No. So we're exporting, uh, and we're exporting. Goods that typically don't have a lot of intellectual property either. So and that's what one of those big reasons for the, the dispute is. So um, there's not much IP in a ton of iron ore. Um, but we have very good quality iron ore. So I think what's been interesting is that there's been some second round effects that so China has been trying to stimulate its economy to offset some of the impacts of the tariff war on on confidence and it's done that uh, particularly in terms of infrastructure spending which then tends to be quite steel intensive which requires a lot of iron ore so if I look at exports of iron ore to China I can't see any impact at all Uh, we can see that the price has been impacted by other um, supply disruptions in Brazil, but the volumes of iron ore have been very, very strong. Um, I think there's probably um, been an impact through the tourism sector, so tourism doesn't seem to be growing as quickly as it was, so the arrival of Chinese tourists, which would make sense they're probably. Um, their economy has been slowing. I think it was slowing before the tar- the trade war, because uh, their authorities have been trying to uh, manage their uh, their um, levels of uh, debt and, and growth in their shadow banking uh, so there does seem to have been a bit of a slowdown there but it's not it hasn't gone backwards but it's just not growing as rapidly as it has been uh, and then education and that's a lot of university students, It's anecdotally um, we're getting a benefit because people are not wanting to go to The U.S. as much to study or Chinese students, and so anecdotally, we're picking up some benefits from that. So, I would say the direct impact so far um, through our export side, um, there doesn't seem to have been a negative impact. Um, I think there has been some restrictions on coal exports to China, but they're very small uh, in terms of the total. But overall not much of an impact as yet. Um, So all those impacts are those indirect impacts through stock market uncertainty, through the currency coming down, through interest rates falling. That's where the impact has been.
1: Being felt. So interesting, I mean, fabulous point you make that the US only comprises 5% of our exports. I mean, that's quite a tiny number, really, in the context of when China's a third, right, that's, that's very much worth being concerned about. Five percent, yeah, You know, there's a lot of countries that probably fit close to five percent as well. Yeah. Uh, what sort of goods do we export to the U.S.? You know, do, should we be um, worried about those as well?
0: Not so much, I think. I mean, the one thing I would say about the whole, the, why it's still important is that China's a big exporter, not to the whole of the world. And the U.S. is still a very big economy. So even though we only export 5% of our goods to the U.S., if the U.S. has a recession or China has a recession or they both have a recession, we will have a recession. Yeah. I mean, it, it's most of our recessions are globally sourced. So it is a big story to follow. Um, our numbers don't suggest, even if all these tariffs went on, they say U.S. growth would slow 1, 1.5%. Um, and... Uh, The world growth would slow 0.5, 0.6%. Now, that's not a global financial crisis. It's not even a recession. Um, It really has to broaden to lots of other countries getting involved in the trade war. Then we could have a a big problem. In terms of what we export to the United States, the largest, I should test you on this, Emma. (laughs) Emma. So, uh, the largest export is beef. Um, oh, there you go. and meat, which together there's two different components, so that's about 12%, uh, pharmaceutical products are about 4%, and the second biggest is actually aircraft and parts, uh, which is about 5%. And that's, I presume, secondhand aircraft that we're, um, send, you know, old aircraft we're retiring or selling. Um, and also, Boeing has, you know, we make, make uh, part of the wing flaps for the 787, I believe. The whole that's leading fascinating. leading edge.
1: Yeah. So, the pharmaceutical components that you mentioned, what's that?
0: I look, I'm not sure. I'm just reading that. Um, it could be. <laughs> what are we um, talking
1: um, CSL here? And they're just. But that, I mean, that's probably. Blood could be there. It could
0: be, um, you know, some of the vitamins. I'm not sure. So, oh, that um, okay. But probably CSL. We could, you know, you could probably find that. But yeah, that's a big part of uh, our exports. Wow. So again, to a breakdown um, on that one day, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, look, there's a great, you know, if you want to look at trade data, mm. DFAT has this wonderful publication mm. called Composition of Trade. You can get online. You can look at what are the fastest growing types of exports to. Different countries in China. I think if you dug into that data, you would have uncovered some of those uh, um, companies that were growing really strongly in China five to ten yeah. years ago, like some of the vitamin producers, yeah, um, some of the milk products, and all yeah. those things. So you can suspect so 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 some of our listeners will be there. off
1: to do that because it's you know it's always an area that people it's are free very Free on their in. website as oh, well. There you go, Defat. Good job. So. Here's the, the question that I, I want to ask here, and it really uh, – so you know this better than anyone. So we consider exports to these two huge countries. Some people may be surprised about the actual proportion that goes to the US and also what's in it. wouldn't have put aircraft parts in there as my personal top list. Um, but there you go. We all learned something. Uh, what exactly – how much of GDP is comprised of exports, right? Because we talk about it all the time. Yep. It's front page news, uh, the coal price, the iron ore price. These are the things we talk about in markets every day. They're obviously enormous dollars. But in terms of GDP and impact to the Australian economy and probably more broadly to the Australian individual in that economy,
0: what are we talking? It's around 20% of GDP right. is exports. So it's it's a big number. Mm. Um, but... If you look at exports, um, typically, even in recessions, exports don't shrink very much. Mm-hmm. It's really been the price of the exports that have changed. Um, so, you will find that steel demand may slow, but it typically doesn't doesn't collapse um, or go big negative. Um, and I think what we're talking about here, its putting on tariffs is a bit different from a recession as well. It mm. changes the price of the good. Mm. So that's different. If, if you have a recession, then people buy less cars, mm. right? Absolutely. Which we're seeing now you know, anyway. Which is there. Mm. Um, but if you change the price of, say, steel mm. or aluminium, because there's a tariff on it, you're talking about... The elasticity of demand for a price change, which, if the demand's still there, need, you need—you know—people still have jobs and the economy is still growing, then you you might de- um, demand a little fraction of a percentage point less of the item because the prices change. So it's it's not generally as significant um, as. A, a complete fall in demand as a price-related change in demand.
1: That's really interesting. I mean, there's there's good historical examples of that, like the oil price shocks in the seventies, where everyone nearly died at the price increase, but then went on using oil.
0: Yeah, and that that one's got a you know pretty inelastic demand. It depends how much the price goes up, um, particularly. But so it's a big part of the economy, but it's. Uh, uh, it's a lot of it's iron ore. So, does what's happening, how much does that impact steel demand in, in mm. China? And then, what else are the Chinese authorities doing to counteract the impact from the tariffs which they have been trying to stimulate? As well,
1: with domestic infrastructure. That's really yeah. interesting. So, if exports only comprise twenty percent of the Australian economy, which might be something that surprises a lot of people, around
0: twenty percent, right? yeah. around twenty yeah. percent. Sorry,
1: <laughs> be very careful with that. But yeah, it might surprise a lot of people. We talk about it as if you know the, these are the only things that matter. Sometimes, what makes up the rest?
0: Yeah, and look, before I answer that, why I think it gets such a, a billing is that it's twenty percent, but the biggest part of exports are mining. Mm. And agriculture. Mm -hmm. And agriculture is very, um, you know, very focused on in Australia. Mm. Um, We all feel um, great empathy towards the farmers when they're struggling with drought. Um, Mining's a very big part of the share market. Um, Mm. So you get a lot of focus um, from that. And um, so those are are two really big uh, exporting industries. They're quite iconic industries perhaps. Mm. focused on. So I think that's why um, people... Are so um, close to that. But again, we export just about all of those things we produce, um, and there's a global market. So even if um, the economy is slow, you can still sell all those products. You just sell them at a lower price. So, what else is it? I mean, consumer spending is about 55, 60% of GDP, um, and government spending is about 20%. That's, that's sort of broadly how it, how it lines up. Uh, And so the consumer is always the biggest part of the economy. Um, That's not to say that if we have a global um, downturn, then it will impact um, a bit through export prices, a bit through share prices, through confidence and into the consumer.
1: Yeah, so this issue around the consumer is quite interesting because obviously... uh the Reserve Bank's very concerned about the consumer and have been sort of trying to find nice ways of saying that for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, not something that's mentioned much by government, but it is, it's one that concerns the people who pay most attention to the economy. And there's a really good reason for that, which is domestic consumption comprises such an enormous component yeah. of the economy. Uh, so the fact that markets, even the Australian markets, leaping around wildly on exports... Uh, maybe more related to the composition of the market than the composition of the economy?
0: Um, certainly, that's, that's a big one. Uh, but it also is if, if, again, and we're not forecasting a world recession, I should just say, mm. but um, to the extent that tariff wars keep um, being escalated, that does slow global growth, which then does slow... Australian growth. So it will show up in consumer spending and employment, etc.
1: Yeah. So one big development, uh, certainly a couple of weeks ago, was the news, uh, was the devaluation of the yuan. Does that have a big impact on Australia? Impact imports and
0: exports? Um, Not directly, but if you look at a chart of the Aussie dollar against the Chinese one, they're almost identical mm. in terms of their movement. Um, so we are seen, rightly or wrongly, by our, by virtue of our trade links, but also because people um, or investors can use the Australian dollar as a proxy for the Chinese currency to hedge emerging markets risk or Chinese uh, risk. So it does have a very close relationship. Um, so uh, and then it obviously will have second-round impacts on imports and exports. It makes imports more expensive, uh, and it makes exports um, cheaper relatively in uh, in the global situation.
1: Mm, but less so for the Australian consumer if the currencies are pretty much moving in step, right? Yeah,
0: certainly from uh, imports from China, mm. uh, but from imports from third pa- third yeah. places like US dollars. Uh, and then the the other complication there is a lot of exports are actually priced in US dollars, so it can still have that impact.
1: Yeah, that's very fair. So do you think there are other potential consequences of the trade wars? I mean, we've talked about quite a range of them that Australian businesses and consumers need to consider. One that has been raised, which I think is such a good point, is that because it's been... Uh, it has unfolded in such an unusual way. There's a lot of threats. The threats are made in most unusual fashion, i.e. via Twitter at 3 a.m. and all sorts of unusual things. Uh, There's a lot of jaw-boning, and then the actuality may be somewhat different, so it may come in at a time that's unexpected. So we're certainly seeing markets respond to overnight news in a really... It's not... Violent. Violent fashion, Yeah. yeah. It's really this uncertainty is fascinating and some of the observations I've had from various people is that is the uncertainty that's causing the concern is a tariff coming, when is it coming, what goods is it going to affect if I'm trying to organise my supply chain differently as a result of that, I don't even know when I'm supposed to be planning it for
0: Yeah, So I think um, you've mentioned probably two of the major ones there, so the confidence effect and then what does it do to investment um, and that's If you are in manufacturing and you have a supply chain um, then and you're thinking or you might be considering a big new investment, this whole um, uncertainty um, probably slows that process down, makes you think about where you should invest um, and so that's one of the things that we can model. And it's not perfect, but you can model what the effects of increases in tariffs are, but then what are the confidence effects and what effect does that have on business investment? Um, So those flow-on effects are are harder to uh, to measure.
1: It's also quite difficult when you've got a plan and then they say, well, you know, we're actually going to meet on the 20th of July, and they don't meet on the 20th of July, and now it's going to be the 20th of August, and then no, I'm going to announce something else tonight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that uncertainty is astonishing. It's very challenging, I imagine. Yeah, I don't imagine. think...
0: Yeah, I, I, look, and it was only, a, was it a month or a few months ago that he was putting tariffs on Mexico and then he wasn't. And so those sort of things, markets are going... It, it's unpredictable. And uh, I think that was interesting because remember when uh, President Trump was elected, everyone thought there would be increased volatility. And the first year he was in office, there wasn't any mm, increased record volatility. record low volatility, yeah. Um, but we're certainly getting a bit more volatility this year.
1: Yeah, yeah it's all happening now. Everyone's uh, finding it very challenging. So my next question for you, you've sort of semi-answered, but obviously unbelievably difficult to predict. Markets are responding to every tweet. As you say, the volatility is is returning to the market. it It actually, ironically, is a rational response. So if you go, if you are pricing equities based on future cash flows and you don't know what the future cash flows are going to be, and with one tweet, the future potential cash flows of that business have changed because their supply chain will will have to change or their pricing will or whatever, it's rational to change how much you're willing to pay for something. But goodness, it's making things look look interesting, making people look crazy, even though theoretically it might be a rational response. How do you see this playing out?
0: Look, as you said, it's it's pretty hard to predict because you would have to know uh, President Trump's view of how it played Mm. out, and that hasn't been uh, hasn't been easy to predict. It's just been consistently getting worse, escalating Mm. uh, at the moment. I think that's where markets are assuming at the moment. They're just saying it's going to escalate. We can't predict when there's going to be a deal. We can't actually predict. Uh, whether it will spread to other trading partners like Japan and Europe. Um, it could be one day the stock market really drops and then pre- the president decides that's enough mm-hmm. or a, d- a satisfactory deal is done. Um, so I, I don't know the answer to that. I think markets are assuming at the moment it's going to continue to get a bit worse. Can it keep? Worsening, 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 without um, anything happening um, to resolve it. I, I suspect that can't happen because if if it got to such a situation that there was a, a real downturn and recession, then the pressure to you know reverse some of this would have to be very very large. But it just seems a a uh, protracted. Um, you know, some would argue. This is uh, the President's negotiating style. It's very hard to, to see when it will end, but I think in the end they will step back from the breach and some trade deal will uh, be done. But when that is, I don't know, and I don't think anyone really knows. And how bad it gets before we get to that situation, I don't think anyone can really predict either. It's interesting that you
1: say that because, you know, when I was speaking to people perhaps 12 months ago, they were saying the President's not stupid, he doesn't want to obviously ruin his own economy for the sake of looking like a tough guy. You know, it is his negotiating style. He will use it to get what he needs and then get out. People's perceptions have changed quite dramatically since then. That, That idea that it's being used as a... Uh, a game of brinkmanship to bring people to the table seems to have fallen away, and people
0: are like, oh goodness, they could go on for quite a while. Well, yeah, it's lasted quite a long time. Um, is this? I mean, it's it's a. Probably a risky legacy. It's his legacy might be he's, he has a recession named after him. <laughs>
1: oh, I don't something. think he'd really like that. The no, Trump no, recession. I s- don't think he'd like that one at all. No, I don't no. think anyone would, actually, to No, be Well, no.
0: obviously, the worst thing for economies, for investments, is you have a recession.
1: Yeah, things going backwards. Uh, one of the most positive things from this conversation, though, is that the Australian impact may not be as significant as it might feel if you're reading the papers or looking at the overnight news and so on. So what sectors of the Australian economy are you most confident about? Um,
0: Look, well, I'll I'll refer to the NAB Business Survey, which Mm. came out uh, yesterday for July. Um, And the sector that is reporting the best business conditions mm. is mining at the moment <laughs> not a surprise um, yeah and look price has been quite high the currency's come down uh, we're still exporting a lot of our goods to uh, China and other countries so that's doing well a few others that aren't directly reflected in the survey but are uh, doing pretty well in the economy, tend to be some of the government related sectors. So uh, government and population driven, Mm -hmm. so there's infrastructure, defense, um, healthcare, education, they're all pretty strong Mm. at this point in time. So
1: they all relate to the things you've been talking about really, domestic consumption and then that 20% of exports where, uh, or 20% of GDP and exports that are largely driven by commodities. But it's good for people to know, right? When you look at your portfolio, are you exposed to those things? Are you exposed to other things you might be more concerned about and so on? Where do you see most... I should also
0: say technology is one I keep hearing about indirectly, Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, where when you talk to um, commercial real estate, they've been letting a lot of um, space to technology companies. Oh, interesting. um, So that that seems to be performing quite strongly Right um, that's
1: a really interesting insight actually because we do see obviously those small technology companies listed on the ASX have absolutely rocketed over the last couple of years um, that's somewhat different to the broader sector though, where people are making money out of technology related solutions Yeah so yeah Where do you see the most weakness?
0: Uh, well in our um, survey the, by far the biggest weakness is in retail mm-hmm. um, so The print we had yesterday is comparable to the uh, recession of the early 1990s for the NAB Business Survey business conditions in retail. Wow. Uh, Have you been
1: doing the survey that long? Yeah. It was
0: quarterly way back then. Yeah. Uh, And it's. There's a monthly and a quarterly survey now, so yeah. So wow! So you've back. got
1: directly comparable data, and it goes back yeah. that far before far. people were be really. So like retailers
0: are telling us it's very, very tough. Now, why is that the case? I think one wages aren't growing very quickly, so it's hard for retail spending to grow faster than wages. Um, the other part of the economy that is weaker is residential, real estate related. Um, so both whether it's construction or uh, real estate agents' turnover. Now there's been a little bit of brighter news there since two interest rate cuts and uh, the, the APRA changing the serviceability a little bit and the fact that we didn't get that change to negative gearing. So mm. uh, people are talking about green shoots and prices have stabilised, house prices st- seem to have stabilised in Sydney and Melbourne. Um, so that's good news. There is uh, are some income tax cuts coming uh, or coming through right now. So mm. hopefully that might help out retail a little bit. Um, but those are the sectors that are probably feeling the most challenge at this point in time. And then I'd say manufacturing has also is reporting tougher conditions. It's not anywhere near like actually how construction and manufacturing, Uh, soft but not like retail. Retail is reporting the most challenging conditions.
1: Yeah, right. Any final thoughts for investors who are finding their current situation somewhat challenging to
0: predict, which is pretty much everybody? Don't don't worry, you're not alone. Um, I think, uh, as look, I I was very fortunate to have a wonderful mentor in Dr Don Stammer, so some people may read him in the Australian uh, he was always uh, preaching um, or advising, preaching sounds the wrong word, uh, diversification, so don't have all your eggs in one basket. And he was also a very good, um, what I'd call counter cyclical investor. So if there are very good companies and you get these temporary um, periods where everyone's worried about the end of the world or uh, what's happening in, in tariffs, that's a good time to buy. If you can buy, Good companies are a bit cheap. He was always very good at doing that. So those would be two non-specific but general pieces of advice I'd uh, I'd give.
1: That's some um, It's actually great advice. And NabTrade Investors not sure that they're killing it on the diversification front, but certainly buying on weakness is a very popular strategy on our platform. So we see whenever uh, companies that are held by a large number of investors come off a bit, there will be a lot of buying, big spike in buying when it falls on the day. Okay. Ivan, you and your team, you produce great insights on the market, that's your job. And uh, and today you've taken us through some fantastic content. There's a 52-page slide pack which is associated with you. you do some amazing stuff that really helps people understand the complexities of what we're facing into or just basically how things work. How can people keep up to date with the uh, the content you're producing? Uh,
0: so some of it's on the uh, au website mm-hmm. um, and the other, if you are a NAB customer and mm-hmm. presumably if you're listening to NAB Trade, you you are, then mm-hmm. you could email us at research at au, and tell us who your... Um, that you're an Trade customer of, and give us some details and we can probably arrange to send you some information.
1: That's awesome. Thank you. Because you, you publish the business survey, which so many of our business customers get value from. It's, it's so worthwhile uh, and does really help people understand what's going on because it's easy to watch the overnight news. It's much harder to sit there and dig through the, the actual data and say this is what's happening at a macro level.
0: Yeah, and the other thing, the other way to do it is probably email you, Gemma, because yep. you will yeah, yeah. <laughs> be, you're the face of NAB trade, so you mm. can, um, and that might be a better way to do it, because then you can manage, make sure that we're not sending, we're sending the right things to your, to your the right to the right people. Yeah, well. perfect,
1: so if you are interested, and we love hearing from you guys, so if you are ever interested in this kind of content, let us know, your wealth at nab.com.au and um, so that's just the email address, and just... It's probably even on this link, actually. Um, email us, ask us what you're looking for, and we'll, um,
0: we'll see if we can can hook you up with the cool content. Yeah. If you're <laughs> not happy with your bank, come across to NAB. We can <laughs> help you.
1: Ivan Cahoon from NAB Markets. Thank you so much. Brilliant, as always. Thanks, Gemma. Thank you so much for listening. Also, as always, we do hope this episode has been helpful for you on your journey to creating wealth. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future topics or you'd like to actually uh, get on board with some of the deeper content, if you like to read and understand charts and so on, just email us at yourwealthnab.comau. I'm Gemma Dale. Thanks for joining me.
0: Thank you for listening to Your Wealth with Gemma Dale. To stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast series or email us at yourwealth@nab.com.au. Please note that any advice provided in this podcast has been prepared without taking into account
1: your objectives, financial circumstances or needs. Before acting, you should consider the appropriateness of the information. To find out more, please visit nab.com.au.